Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 109 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, 2010. We've got a good show for you this week on the podcast. It's spring break around USC, but still lots going on. Lots of Trojan information to discuss, recruiting, the team, all kinds of good stuff. Spring break is now, but spring football is just around the corner. If you have any questions or comments, drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. We love to answer your questions. We'll get to a bunch of those today. And in the first segment, we'll get some questions with Coach Harvey Hyde. Coach, how you doing, sir? Buddy, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I just want to say uh, I'm on spring break all the time. <laughs> so, so I enjoy every day looking forward to spring practice. And of course, not only at FC, I just love football in general. And I love March Madness, which is about ready to start. So what can I say? How can it be any better? It cannot, Coach. I love March Madness. I'm not even a huge basketball fan, but this tournament is just so much fun. Fill out my brackets. They get all blasted up in the first couple of days, but it's still a good time. Uh, if there's any of those games you want to see anywhere across the country, our friends at Southern California Tickets can help you out. SCTickets.com is the website, or go to one call 1-800-888-7287. Any kind of sporting event you want to see, SCTickets.com. Has your tickets for you. Coach, you going to go to any tournament games? You won't believe this. You know where I'm going tonight? I'm going to the Loyola Marymount Pacific game. Ah. The Loyola Marymount. I thought I'd try this new, what is it called, D-I-L or whatever it is, tournament. I didn't know what it was, so I'm going down there. I understand you have to buy your way into this tournament. It costs you 31 5 to get into the tournament and uh, gives you the extra practice days. And if you're a coach out there and, you know, your team wasn't selected to go to either tournament, you know, other teams have that same advantage as teams that go to bowl games. So now here's an opportunity. You buy yourself into the tournament, and as long as you can keep winning, you can keep practicing. So that's a good format. Whoever thought that up, I don't know who it is or how it works or uh, if it has a television package or not. So I thought I'd go down and take a look at it tonight where uh, the Lions will take on the Tigers. What do you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a classic matchup, the Lions and the Tigers. Well, coach, it to, is. Yeah, you have to let I mean, us know. wild, buddy, wild. You have to let us know next week how it goes and uh, check it out. I haven't I'll heard, let you know. Yeah, I haven't heard of that I either. Want to, I'll be sitting on the floor, standing room only. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, have a good time with that one, coach. Uh, I got a couple of questions. First one, we love the international questions. Uh, this one's from Tonks. He's our number one fan. In Australia. That's not official. I, I, well, just make it official, Coach. What do you say? He'll be our number one fan in Australia until someone can beat him to it. But he says, Good day, Ryan. One of his favorite aspects, and he spells favorite the uh, cool English Australian way with the OU in there, uh, aspects of the a team like USC is that it can generate a lot of pro athletes year in and year out. Last year, Cushing, Matthews, Mark Sanchez, a lot of NFL guys that have made an impact in the NFL. He wants to know... Which players from this year's class do you think could make an immediate impact uh, in the pros? And I could go over a list of guys if you want, Coach. You maybe comment on each of them? Yeah, I'd be happy to. I'll tell you, I don't know if there is a team that I can remember in recent history that has done what USC's rookie season did this year in the NFL as far as Matthews and Cushing and Maluga and Sanchez, and it goes on and on and on. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that was a strong, strong class. Uh, uh, yeah, back in the 60s and 70s, they had, you know, uh, the Wild Bunch and that, where they had some great uh, players that made impacts uh, in the NFL. But, wow, when you think about what last year's class did in the NFL, you say, wow, man, what an impact. That team should have been a national champion. Yeah, a lot of the guys from Miami in the early part of uh, the decade and stuff have some great runs. So, I mean, there's you know, Miami and USC probably since the, the turn of the century have been the two 
schools, I think, that have put out the most uh, as far as NFL talent goes. But we'll see. It could be another good one this year. Uh, running backs, Coach, McKnight or Stephon Johnson, maybe not Stephon as much having an immediate impact, but McKnight could. Well, you know, yeah, maybe. But I think he has a lot to mature and a long ways to go. He was always hurt. Uh, it's going to be a much more physical game in the NFL. He runs straight up. He does a lot of dancing. He isn't a real powerful type of back, and he's not built in a in a stature where he can take a lot of hits. He's not going to carry the ball a lot of times a game, but he'll be used in passing situations and so on. I was disappointed with his 40 time. I mean, yes, he ran a 4.55, I think, but I thought he should have run better than that. So we'll see how he does in the NFL. You know, he never really, it's too bad, it's not always his fault, but he never really lived up to what I expected or anticipated him to be at USC. And maybe that's because he didn't play regularly and get a a turn every down. So I'm not going to hold that against him. But uh, I don't think either of those will be an impact player in the NFL this year. Yeah, and Stefan. Yes, Stefan has a chance, I think, down the road too. Both those guys do, but we'll just—I don't—I think it'll be hard for Stefan right out of the gates. What about uh, Damian Williams or Anthony McCoy catching some balls in their rookie season? Well, I would say probably out of this year's class, and you'll get to others. They probably are the ones that have the best chance. McCoy is such a talent, and I really felt this last year that his talent really wasn't utilized. He was such a mismatch in the secondary and such a great receiver if you'd have put him in the slot or flanked him more because he was so much bigger and faster than uh, a lot of people that he played against, especially as a tight end or an H-back or so on. And uh, when he really uh, was used, he was brilliant. Now he has to get a little bit strong on his blocking to play in the NFL. You've got to do both. You've got to play regularly every down. So he's got to get a little heavier and he's got a block, but I think he has the potential. Now, when you talk about impact, I don't know if he's going to step in there and just, you know, blow him away, but I think he could start. He has potential after maturing and midway through the season be a starter his rookie year. All right, let's go to the offensive line. We've got Charles Brown. And Williams, I didn't talk about Williams. Oh, I'm Williams. sorry. Sorry about that. We're just we're right. There's a lot Williams. of guys. We're just moving along. Okay. Right. Well, that's all right. I, I don't want to miss Williams because he's an impact player. I think he's a. Uh, I think he was uh, the biggest threat that SC had last year, as far as an offensive weapon. Uh, he was. I think he will be in the NFL just a receiver. Uh, I don't know if he'll be a great receiver because of speed, but he's a route guy. He'll catch the football. I think he's tough enough to play in the NFL. And I really think he'll mature and get better in the NFL. I don't think he's reached his full potential yet. So if I was to evaluate him, I'd say, you know, he's the type that is going to get better and stronger as he grows up. He needs to grow up a little bit. And when he grows into his frame and so on, he'll be the type of guy that will be a a possession receiver and catches balls. And he'll be utilized. He's not going to be the deep threat guy unless he just mismatches someone, they throw the ball up in the air. But uh, he he can play in the NFL, and he'll play. And I think there's two good points here, Coach. One, you're right, I think he hasn't reached his potential yet. And two, in an offense that really almost couldn't get out of its own way at times, he was a guy that still shined. So even with an offense that wasn't working, it wasn't clicking, it wasn't a system, he still found a way to make plays. So I think he has a good shot at the next level. Um, Let's look at the offensive line. Charles Brown, high projection. Jeff Byers, Alex Parsons, any of those guys you think? Well, you know, you're always looking for linemen in the NFL. You've got to have linemen. If you don't have linemen, you really can't run the football or pass block or do anything. Uh, I don't really, you know, I wasn't really impressed with the offensive line last year, and you know that. I've said that over and over and over, including Byers and everybody. Um I don't see any impact players coming out of this year's offensive line. Uh, And I'm very disappointed in saying that I think they'll be getting better. Uh, I think a lot of them have uh, already matured. I haven't seen them get – they're not an angry bunch. I think you've got to be sort of an angry bunch to play in the NFL. You've got to be able to play with pain. You've got to be able to drive block. You've got to be able to pass block. You've got to be able to really compete at a – a great level, but you're going to go against great players in the NFL as far as defensive linemen and defensive ends. Uh, 
So any impact players, not really. I don't think Brown can start as a rookie. Brown might play inside as a guard. I don't know if he has quick enough feet to play as a tackle. But, um, of course, this is just my, you know, observation from game uh, games. I haven't, you know, broken down any film or evaluated them and so on. But I'm just being honest with you. I wasn't impressed with the offensive line on the way they pass, protect, or blocked or drove uh, people off the line of scrimmage. So I, I speak just as a C average. Uh, just give them all a C. All right. Well, yeah, who knows? Brown, I mean, he's got that body that some, you know, if he gets selected high, maybe they do insert him into the lineup. Hard to say. Uh, Byers has been around so long. I mean, maybe the veteran, you know, that'll that'll help him as well if he gets in a situation, can play guard or something somewhere. We'll see what happens with those guys. Uh, the other side of the line, Everson Griffin, uh, you could say he kind of underachieved a little bit while at USC, but I think a lot of the NFL scouts seem to like just his measurables. Yes, they do, and just like they do Brown. I'm not saying Brown isn't going to get drafted in the second or third round. Uh, I don't think he's a first-rounder, but, you know, you you just look and search and search and search, and there just aren't a lot of bodies that play tackle or play some of these positions. And that's why I think Griffin's, that's his number one uh, plus, is his potential. Uh, they're going to be drafting him on his potential as far as the way he should play and how he could play. Did he play that way all the time? No, he did not. He wasn't as good as they're talking about. I mean, he was, he would have been, you know, he should have been an All-American. Coming out of high school, he's the number one defensive end in the play in the country. He never, I thought, got better. Never did play at that level of, of a Cushing or a Maluga. And, you know, if you people know what I'm talking about, when you watch Cushing and Maluga play and, and those type of players, you know, grew to good, and some of these guys said I mean, that's a different intensity level. And I never saw Griffin or play at that level. Emerson, you know, has all the size and look. He'd look good in Playboy or whatever you want to talk about, poise posing or something with his shirt off. Or, but I want to see him play. You know, big hat, no cows. You know what I mean? You got to have, you got to have, you got to have the whole package. You can look good, but you got to play good. I've seen guys that don't look good, that don't have a muscle hardly on their body. <laughs> man, you can't even block them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So look at Palomala, okay? I mean, look, at, he's not a big guy or anything else. And But i tell you what, you don't want to play against him because he's a playmaker. He's a playmaker. He has an instinct. He has pride and so on. So just because you look good doesn't mean you're going to play good. We'll see. I mean, I think uh, some of the scouts did, did like the way he you know, put up the – I think he had a four six six forty thirty two reps on the bench press. So yeah, then he should go out for track. Yeah, <laughs> they like potential. So we'll see what happens if he gets yeah, in a good maybe situation. Maybe he should be a, uh, you know what do they call it one of those guys decathlon guy. You yeah, know, go to the Olympics and do shot put discus all of that. He hadn't proved to me what I thought he was going to be. All right. Well, and then uh, no linebackers, obviously, with uh, the so many guys. Last four linebackers getting drafted last year, but defensive backs. Uh, Josh Pickard, I don't think so, because he's got still recovering from that ACL. But Taylor Mays or Kevin Thomas, how about those guys? Well, you know, Taylor Mays, wow, he's another one of these guys. Looks like Tarzan, you know, plays like James. <laughs> wow, um, coach, ouch. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, you know, I, and I don't mean this to hurt people. You, you ask me. Don't ask me the questions anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you. When you look at this guy, wouldn't you say that he's a the largest diamond I've ever seen cut in the world? I mean, yet I don't see him making great plays. But with two interceptions the last two years, yeah, he's saying he played the secondary safety position the way he was taught. Fine, okay. I don't know if they taught you not to go for the football as a safety, but to block people down. Great potential, stiff. Uh, not real agile, can run a great 40. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. He'll probably go in the front first round. The Raiders will take him or somebody. Uh, but he needs to really work on his agility, and he needs to find a position to play. And I really think his position to play, if I was drafting him, and some people out there might not believe me, is the defensive end. I'd bulk him up, I'd put him at 250, 260, 
and I let him come out of, off the corner, those defensive tackles would not be able to get out of their stance and block him. Just be an impossible thing for them to do. And I'd bring him inside and allow him to rush the quarterback and so on in that type of situation. I don't think he's a secondary player. I never thought he was after I watched him after his freshman year. I felt he was a defensive end or could have maybe worked into a linebacker. Uh, but he doesn't play with his arms. And if you know what I mean by that, you've got to play with your arms. You've got to use your arms in football and intercepting passes or getting rid of blockers or tackling or whatever. And he doesn't use his arms in football. So uh, uh, would I take him in the first round? No. Would I take him in the first round looking at him and, and going through all of his physical attributes? Yes. Well, but i got to have a plan. For him. If I'm going to take Taylor Mays, I've got to have a plan for him. How do I plan to use him in what situations, at what position, down in distance, and so on? So I, when you ask me a question, I'm just going to answer it for you. <laughs> That's what we love and about you, Coach. What about Kevin Thomas? What do you think about him? Thomas, I, I think Thomas has a lot of potential. I think Thomas will make an NFL team. I think Thomas will play in the NFL. And uh, I think Thomas will get better every year. I think he's just learning to play the game, too, and I think that he did well. I think Thomas is a guy that will go. He'll be a drafted player, and he will play in the NFL. Uh, where? It depends on what team, and that determines how soon he plays on where he goes. All right. Well, Tonks, thank you for being our number one fan in Australia, and thanks for the question. I'm glad he lives a long ways away from me. <laughs> he's not going to come on your door, Coach. Uh, no. He told me Taylor Mays was his favorite player, so he's going to be coming after you. Did he really? No, no. I'm just well, I think Taylor Mays is the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. He'll no, be... and when I say that, none of these comments are personal comments. I no. don't even know Taylor Mays, okay? I'm just telling you, as if I'm sitting in a war room and I'm reporting to a, a general manager or head coach or the owner, this is my report on just what I've seen. And then they could draft him a the number one pick in the entire draft. You know what I mean? Right. No. And we'll see. There'll be guys like him and Griffin will certainly be fun to watch. They have the measurables. Let's see if they can uh, put it together with some NFL coaching and see how they do their rookie seasons. Uh, we've got another second question is from uh, TD, Terry and Day. Uh, we haven't heard from him in a little while. He wanted to know if, Coach, you would rather get back to playing a two-running back system instead of using the running back by committee approach. Uh, Terry is a little frustrated with a committee approach, even though a good running back like Tyler or Gable or somebody could end up on the bench. He wants to see a two-back system. What do you think, Coach? Well, I have always liked the two-back system, especially when they're athletes like USC has. They don't have just – like when you look at their fullbacks, Havili and these guys, they're just not, you know, backs. They're athletes. I mean, they can do it all, Taylor uh, or uh, Tyler and – Bradford and all these guys they have, Gable and McNeil and, 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 and Dylan Baxter. I mean, these guys are athletes. So they can, they, can, they can run flat routes. They can run circle routes. They can beat a linebacker one-on-one. They can do a lot of things, plus they can run the football. So I, I like a two-back type of offense because I think you, think, I think you take, take, keep people more honest, whether it's a run or a pass. And and you get more little play action more, and you can get your backs out in the flat and so on, and you got an extra blocker on the run and so on uh, inside. Uh, so I, I like a two-back offense. Not now, though. SC's getting a lot of great receivers, great receivers. So, And it looks as though next year they're going to get some great receivers in the next year. So, you know, when you have great receivers, the way you look at it, you always want your best players on the field. And then you design your offense around your best players so that your best players are catching the ball or running the football or whatever from your quarterback. Your quarterback is nothing but a battery that starts the engine. Then the engine continues to run, and at what speed it runs at depends depends on getting the ball to your players. So, yes, I like a two-back offense. I think a two-back offense is very good. I'm not against a one-back offense. If you utilize it to what it's meant to be, uh, but I think SC, with the number of backs they've had, especially the last couple of years, now it's more of a swing towards the receiver side of it. Uh, I would have, and I believe, the Bush-White combination was absolutely fantastic. 
I couldn't agree with you more, Coach. We'll see. We'll see what happens going forward. Spring football is going to be a lot of fun to watch coming up the end of this month, the end of March. Uh, all the different position battles. How will the coaches, you know, treat the depth chart? Is it going to be all mixed up? Or are guys going to really have a shot to to get into areas or positions going to be changed? Who knows? There'll be lots of stuff to look forward to. But, Coach, we appreciate your time. Thanks for all the questions out there. And I guess we'll have to catch up with you again next week. Well, I hope you do catch up with me. I run a real quick 40. (laughs) And uh, I just want to uh, thank all of our listeners out there for sending in their questions and really being a part of our show. I mean, we're here to give you just our opinion. And it is only our opinion. Sometimes you agree with our opinion, and sometimes you might disagree or you might really hate our opinion. But, of course, that's what it's all about, and and I uh, enjoy doing this with you, Ryan, and I hope I didn't offend anybody about what I said, but when you send me a question and you ask me a uh, question, I'm going to answer it to what my opinion might be and not what someone wants me to say, okay? And we wouldn't want to have it any other way, Coach. We appreciate that. I uh, wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Everyone else, back in 30 seconds, talking recruiting with Gerard Martinez. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We're going to talk some recruiting in this segment with uscfootball.com recruiting analyst, Gerard Martinez. Gerard, what's going on, sir? Nothing much, just... uh kind of uh, enjoying a little bit of the spring break here. Coaches are out of the office, so uh, you won't see a lot of breaking recruiting news uh, on the forefront, uh, at least you know for a few days. Um, obviously, uh, some of the bigger news uh, from the 2010 class still coming out, though, but I, I have a feeling we'll get around to that somewhere uh, in this conversation. Yeah, we'll talk about all that kind of fun stuff, and we're going to answer a couple questions, if that's okay, and if you have questions out there, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. Drop us an email if you've got a recruiting question, anything you want to know, you want us to talk about the podcast, you can always drop us an email there. Uh, we got a we got a question from Harry, and Harry actually is someone that I know. I used to work with Harry back when I was an engineer, back in the day. Um, Harry the ASIC guy. So he, does, he, he likes podcasts, and uh, he listens to our podcast, so thanks for listening, Harry. He had a question about Latuan Anderson. So he's going to be signing with Miami, uh, and he says that he'll sign as a, actually a track athlete, so Miami won't, won't exceed the 85 limit of scholarships for football. Um, you would get counted towards football once you start playing football, but in the in the beginning you could be counted as a track athlete. He wanted to know if that's really legit and there, is there any downside to doing something like this, to have the football team sign an athlete to a different sport. And do you think with the new regime at USC, they will do stuff like this to try and win all of the recruiting wars. Do you think they'll, they'll be one of the things where they kind of pull out all the stops and try to do stuff like that to get some more kids in if they have to? If they can, they will. Um, the Latuan Anderson situation is very complicated, and I don't know all the details of it, quite frankly. I don't know if the writers and the media people in Miami know all the details of it because I've seen it explained, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense the way it's explained. I mean, they're trying to say that he can be on a track scholarship, and can still work out with the football team, but as long as he's not in the football lineup, which that's a very vague term in the football lineup, um, he won't be on scholarship. Once he is on the football lineup, then he has to go on a football scholarship. Now, from what I've understood from you know previous situations where you had guys that were legitimate football players and track athletes, to be honest with you, Latuan Anderson really isn't. I mean, he's running an 11-200 meter. That's a pedestrian time for anybody who's going to be going to college and running track. Um, so, you know, it's it's you're a little skeptical just at the front because 
I mean, the guy's not really a great track athlete, so you're going to give him a track scholarship. So you figure, well, somewhere down the line, they're going to try to get him in for football. Well, from what I understand, the football team at this point is in, in the 90s with their scholarships. Uh, and so, you know, you can only have 85 um, per year, and they're up around 90, 91 scholarships right now. So they're going to have to uh, cut some guys um, either from this class that they have now, and, and I think they expect some academic casualties. Uh, they're going to have to expect a few, and there might be some transfers from the team, uh, some moving and shaking on the roster, but you're still you know, a little bit over, and you have Latuan Anderson there, and you sign him, and suppose he's on a track scholarship. From what I understand, though, uh, you can not play football for two years if you come in on a track scholarship. That's always what I've understood. I don't know if there's a new loophole there. Um, I'm sure if Miami figures out a way where they can redshirt him in football and have him practice, regardless of whether he actually plays games or not, but just have him on the team and be able to be a part of the team uh, to some extent and have him on a track scholarship, well, guess what? There are going to be a lot of other teams lining up to do it um, because, you know, teams have tried before. I mean, remember, Brashawn Nellum was a guy that played football for Long Beach Poly as wide receiver came to USC um, in track and was a really great track athlete and ended up, you know, coming to scholarship to play track and ran track for a while until, uh, you know, he had that shooting incident uh, where uh, I don't even know if he's been able to run track or if he's completely uh, recuperated from that. But he's never played football. He's never worked out with a football team. Um, you know, once he went and got that track scholarship, he was running track, and that was what it was. And um, I understood that at that point he had two years where he he had to run track before he could do anything with the football team. So I don't know that this is going to be any different with Latuan Anderson. Um, you know, again, uh, you got a guy on a track scholarship who's running 11, 200 meters. Uh, you just shrug your shoulders at that. I, I don't know uh, if the track coaches are going to be real happy with that. Um, so we'll see. You know, we'll see if, if Miami has some kind of master plan here that not everybody fully understands and they found a loophole to be able to have, you know, uh, extra scholarships for football and tuck them away in other sports. Um, if it's that way, then, yeah, you know, USC is definitely going to take advantage of it. Everybody in college football will take advantage of it because um, that's where, you know, you want the numbers and they'll take advantage of the other sports to do it. Yeah, and Harry pointed this out, too. USC is really not in that predicament right now. If you look at our latest scholarship chart, um, as of now, there's only 80 rides out of the 85 that are given. That's including the incoming freshmen. So it's not really an issue if there was someone that USC picked up late, like a Latuan Anderson or something. It wasn't going to hurt, you know, wouldn't hurt them because they have enough scholarships out there. And then, you know, they can give one or two out to some walk-ons or whatever, whatever they want to, whatever Lane Kiffin feels like doing. But right now, USC is really not in that predicament because of the number of scholarships that they have available. No, and they and they kind of always left a lot of elbow room um, just for guys that uh, I think award walk-ons with scholarships, which I think is a good thing. That was something that Pete Carroll did uh, every year, and, and we'll see if Lane Kiffin uh, decides to go that route as well. But you also want a little bit of room there just in case that uh, you know you have a late signee and a guy like Latuan Anderson, they could have signed him uh, if he would have taken his official visit. But at that point, it seemed like his parents were pretty much against him going uh, that far away from home and, and going to USC. So uh, he eliminated them, and that you know was never really an option. But um, you have some transfer possibilities as well. I hadn't really heard that much with USC. I mean, there was some talk about Jansen Jackson maybe uh, being interested. Cornerback uh, from Tennessee was a five-star uh, player out of Louisiana uh, a, a couple years back. Uh, it was like yeah, it was a, two years ago now, um, and he was a freshman last year uh, with USC, or excuse me, with Tennessee, and uh, there was some talk that maybe he would be interested in, in um, transferring to USC, but, uh, you know, there hasn't been really, I haven't seen anything that's, um, you know, substance to those rumors. And, uh, but there are other positions. Obviously, kicker is an interesting position. I mean, USC has had some transfers come in uh, for punter and, and kicker, and uh, those types of players can kind of float around a little easier um, than a quarterback or somebody's got to learn an actual system. If you're a kicker, there's no real system to learn. You kick the ball. Um, so that that's a possibility as well. And so, yeah, USC's got uh, they got four or five scholarships floating around out there, so uh, they can do what they will with it. And uh, and we'll see. You know, with the new coaching staff, you also have to keep in account that um, sometimes the new way of doing things, not everybody on the roster is going to be with it. You know, there might be some players that decide that they want to transfer out of USC. That's something that you see 
a lot with the new coaching changes and the transition. And, and, you know, when you get into spring ball and stuff, we'll see, you know, how this team kind of adapts to the new coaching staff and, and if everybody's on the same page. So, um, you know, USC could end up having a lot of scholarship uh, offers available uh, for next year. Um, you know, annually they've been signing about 20 guys um, 19, 20 guys have been an average. So uh, that's really, to be honest with you, the, the the number that you're kind of shooting for year to year. That means you're you're doing a pretty good job. You, you don't want to oversign in a class. You really don't want to have to stack your classes up in that 25, 26 every year. Um, your program is on a pretty even keel as far as you know the juniors you're losing and the guys that are graduating when you're you know at that 20 to 22 range. And uh, USC has been a little bit below that. So um, it, it, I don't. Think they're you know really stressing out or getting crazy about it, um, but I'm sure you know with that with that room they'd like to probably add a couple more guys, make sure that they have a little bit of depth. And like I said, kicking position that's probably number one. All right. Well, thanks for that question, Harry. And uh, next one up for you, Gerard SC Billy. How does USC look for getting top linebacker prospects from the class of 2011? Because with the class of 2010, didn't do as well getting some of those top linebackers. What do you think? The problem is in the last uh, the last classes there really wasn't a ton of great linebackers in state, and unfortunately, it's the same way this year. There are some guys; it's a better year, um, but nationally, you kind of have to go out to Florida and Georgia and go on to the East Coast a little bit if you want to get those five-star level guys, and that's tough um, to cherry pick those type of players. And uh, we all know, you know, the, the missing out on Manti Teo and, and Vontez Burfecht. Um, back in 2009 that hurt USC. Everybody knew it then. And I think, you know, you're starting to see, you know, kind of the repercussions of that a little bit. Um, they did get some depth in this last class. And when you look at the che- you know, look at the depth chart at face value, they've got 12, 13 linebackers. But there are some guys there that are coming from other positions, guys like Devon Kennard, um, you know, Shane Horton. It's not really the quality guys that they're picking up in recruiting classes uh, that they feel good at and they feel that they can come in and contribute right away. So with that said, you know, they're going to be going out of state again this year and it's going to be a little bit of a crapshoot. Um, the guys that I've talked to early, Travis Hughes, uh, uh, you know, a 6'1", 220-pound uh, linebacker from Virginia. Uh, Curtis Grant just got a scholarship offer, 6'3", 225 from Virginia. Um, guys like uh, Brett Callaway, who's a 6'3", 215 linebacker from Alabama, uh, probably maybe the best linebacker, one of the best linebackers at least um, in in you know, I think America this year, he's already committed to Alabama, though. Um, A.J. Johnson from Georgia, you're talking about guys that are in very difficult places to pluck out of, you know, get the talent out of. Uh, I think maybe, you know, Anthony Wallace is a guy they might have a shot with. Uh, Skyline High School in Dallas, uh, he's got an offer from Texas. You know, Texas is going to be a big player for him. Oklahoma is going to be a big player for him. But he's from Dallas, which is a big city. And uh, USC, they've had some recruiting success at Skyline. Um, You know, not a ton of it. Obviously, Michael Morgan is a guy they got out of there with Ken Norton Jr. And we'll see how Willie Mack Garza is able to to use his connections in Texas to be able to recruit recruit, that state in general, um, especially that Dallas area. But uh, in in the most part, you know, there's a lot of guys that are going to have to go out of state into difficult territories to recruit and to be able to get some of those guys. James Wilder is obviously a guy that, you know, right now they're recruiting him as a running back and they like him as a running back, uh, but he could end up being a, a fantastic linebacker at 6'3", 220. He plays for Plant High School in Tampa, and obviously, you know, Lane Kiffin and Monty Kiffin, there's a lot of Tampa ties with that family and those coaches, and they're going to be able to go in there and, and they should be in that race for a long time. Um, but, again, it's, it's, it's out there. You know, they're going out there to get guys – they're going to have to sign some guys in state this year, regardless of whether they're five-star guys or not. They're going to have to go after guys like Corey Waller, um, who's a 6'1", 200-pound linebacker from Long Beach Poly. He also played defensive end. You know, is he a five-star guy? Is he, you know, the, the next, uh, you know, Willie McGinnis or, or the next, you know, great uh, linebacker like Keith Rivers? You know, maybe not. But he's a guy that you got to have depth-wise. You got to bring some of these guys in, and you got to develop them. You know, sometimes I think that's what's overlooked in the Pac-10 region and with California guys specifically. And we talked about this with, you know, the whole out-of-state versus in-state recruiting strategy. 
you got to project some guys in state, and if you stick with them and you develop them enough, they might turn out to be a Clay Matthews. You know, they're not Brian Cushing coming out of high school where you're like, oh my gosh, this guy's a five-star level guy, he's going to play right away. But if you keep on them and you develop them correctly, you could end up with a guy like Clay Matthews who at the end of the day and ended up graduating from USC. A lot of people could say, hey, those guys are interchangeable. You know, Clay Matthews is just as good as Brian Cushing. Um, so now, you know, Corey Waller, uh, I love Trey Madden out of uh, Mission Viejo High School. He's a little shorter. He's about the six foot, uh, two fifteen range, but um, a guy that he looks like a really good wheel linebacker right now. He's fast. He makes a lot of plays in the back uh, in the backfield. Uh, sees the ball really well. Has great instincts. Played a little bit of quarterback, so he's you know very cerebral type guy. Um, I like Tyler Gray, who's a lot more raw. And you talk about the you know the Clay Matthews and the Brian Cushing's of the world. You know he's six three, two fifteen. Played linebacker. Uh, played uh, running back and returned punts. Uh, for Templeton High School and had a couple punt returns for touchdowns last year. So there's a guy who's versatile and has that ability um, to play all over the field. He camped at USC last year, was a complete nobody, and we saw him just kind of walking around in the lobby and, and just like, you know, this kid, he's got a good-looking body on him. He's like a tight end. Maybe he's a big quarterback, but we weren't really sure. And then we watched him do some testing, and he tested really well. And he was over with some of the younger guys at the beginning of the camp, and he was doing well enough where Ken Norton Jr. decided to bring him up with the with the good players, and he held his own. So those are the kind of guys that in-state, you know, you've got to – you got to look at them. you got to watch them. And maybe they don't look like the greatest thing since sliced bread this year, but maybe three years down the line with good coaching and the right weight program, they end up being as good as these national guys in Florida and Georgia and uh, back east. So that's going to be how it is this year. There's not you know, a ton of five-star guys locally, and that's going to make it a lot more difficult to, to, to get you know the, the big numbers at linebacker this year, which USC is going to probably want to get three or four, and to have those big marquee names. But, again, you know what? Sometimes it's not about those marquee names. All right. Well, thanks for that question, SC Billy. Uh, let's get a quick update on Chantrell Henderson, Gerard. We had a Peristyle Now post of him this week going up, and it was all over the media services and stuff as well. But what, what was going on with Chantrell Henderson? I got a, a text message at 7.30 in the morning Monday, and his father said that uh, he was ready to sign with USC. Um, he had gotten uh, his uh, ACT scores Friday and is going to be fully eligible and was excited to uh, kind of get the process over with. So it sounds like uh, sometime this week, probably Thursday, Friday, uh, they're going to sit down and they're going to sign their letter of intent, or at least I assume uh, they will sign a letter of intent uh, to go to USC, and uh, he'll be playing uh, college football for USC in the fall. All right. Very good. Good update on that. Uh, let's talk about the quarterback situation a little bit. There was uh, some news came out this week. What do you want to share? Uh, well, Max Wedick, uh, 6'3". He's, he's in about that 205, 210 range right now. Quarterback from modern day who's uh, actually originally from Connecticut. He moved out here as a sophomore uh, to work with Steve Clarkson, uh, who's a renowned quarterback coach, and uh, transferred into modern day. Actually spent a year with uh, Matt Barkley at modern day. And uh, he recently went on an unofficial visit to USC and received a scholarship offer from the Trojans, which was really big because there's very few scholarship offers have gone out to local players uh, this year. I mean, off the top of my head, I think uh, this new staff, um, you know, on top of the guys that have already been offered by Pete Carroll, the new staff came in, and how many guys I can think that have been offered locally thus far have been Devon Blackman and Max Wittick. So then pulling, tr- pulling the trigger on a quarterback before the main evaluation period was a little surprising. You thought they might just kind of wait and see guys in person and, and kind of get a feel for what they really had in state because California, there's always going to be talent there. And, and again, it's one of, those, one of those deals where you have to project a little bit. You can't just go off of what, you know, Rivals says. You know, Rivals, hey, you know, everybody's got biases, and, and it, it depends on how much you see of players where they're thick in the South. There's always a bunch of guys in the South that are quarterbacks. And it's just it's a pet peeve of mine because – you know, I, I'm sure Alabama has a lot of great players, but when you're talking about quarterbacks, man, California is where it's at. I mean, this is just – I'm not saying the best quarterback in the nation is from California this year or any particular year, but when you're talking about quality and you're talking about depth of quality and, you know, you can't get away from the Pac-10. You can't get away from California. And so – you thought maybe USC would wait a little bit and kind of test the waters and see, you know, who was really out there. But uh, when it came in on a, 
um, an unofficial visit uh, last week, and uh, they decided to pull the trigger on him. And uh, he spent uh, quite a few hours actually at USC unofficially touring the campus. Uh, came down with uh, Matt Barkley's dad, uh, Les Barkley, actually, and um, you know just kind of hung out a little bit, went up to the coaches' offices, and and kind of did that whole thing, and um, had a lot of good things to, to say about USC. Uh, evidently, I, I hear I hear this through my sources, <laughs> my, yeah. my sources from the USCfootball.com staff. Well, hey, why don't you ask me a question? now <laughs> well let me ask you a question okay how come max Wittick has not committed to usc sounds like it was you know it was he's from connecticut so you kind of right. you know you kind of know that but you know that one of those things where you got that modern day connection there with usc matt barkley seemed like the plan is to line there no you're right and uh, i got to talk to him uh this week we'll have the story up i don't know it'll probably be up a little bit after the podcast goes up but it will be up on uscfootball.com um, he was really impressed. I think that his, his visit, there's no way you could come away after talking to this kid and not think that he was just thoroughly impressed with his visit to USC. He really enjoyed the uh, conditioning workout. So what he got to see was coaches are allowed a couple hours a week to do these conditioning drills with the players on the field without footballs. We've talked about this on the podcast before. No balls on the field, but you can you know do conditioning, rolling, and all this kind of stuff. Now, he did a lot of that, and he was really impressed with the coaches. Uh, he specifically talked about Lane Kiffin and Clay Helton. Uh, he just really liked the energy and stuff that they brought to these workouts. And I think I got to meet with them afterwards after they worked out in the field. The coaches left. The, the rest of the players went out and threw the football around. But Max went in with the coaches and got to talk with them and get the official offer and all that stuff. But it sounded to me like uh, I talked about being tempted to commit. Um, there was definitely some temptation there. He wants to look around a little bit more and, and check things out. But, you know, he was impressed with USC. He would like to commit early. Um, he's, you know, a lot of quarterbacks do that, and you've mentioned this before. He doesn't want to have to be going through the recruiting process uh, in his senior year. So I'm figuring probably sometime after the summer camps or maybe at one of the summer camps, he'll end up committing wherever he want to go. I don't know if you want to call USC a favor or anything at this point, but he did seem really enamored with his visit to USC. But we'll have to wait and see. I mean, there's yeah, he didn't. Seem to be bothered by the depth chart at all. Um, you know, Jesse Scroggins is gonna, you know, is gonna be a redshirt freshman most likely. Barkley would be a junior when he comes in there. So there'll be some talent on the roster, but seems like a confident kid. I don't think that's something that's gonna def- you know deter him from making his college decision. What were his impressions of Clay Helton? Um Helton coming from a quasi spread system. Uh, in some of the places that he's been with Memphis and Arkansas State, I kind of wondered how he would adapt and, and kind of how that offense is going to look, you know, and, and kind of the game plan with some of these new quarterbacks and and w- what the future is for USC in that respect of the you know the tutoring that the quarterbacks are going to have from him. Did he talk much about Clay Helton and and just that kind of blueprint that they had for for what it coming in as a if he went to USC? No, they didn't. He didn't talk about Helton specifically. What kind of offense that he would run? He liked Helton as a person, uh, but he made it very clear that you know he runs a pro style offense in high school. That's really what he wants to do. He's not really. If there's a school that's going to switch to the spread, that probably wouldn't be something that he would be interested in. You know, he likes doing the pro style. It's what they do in the NFL. Uh, he seemed really comfortable doing that, being under center, taking some shotgun snaps, whatever you want to do. Um, but he didn't really specifically say, oh, because of Clay Helton, I know he's run some spread before. That really didn't come up. But you know, it was the fact that USC runs a very similar offense to what they run at modern day. He feels comfortable in that system, and that's you know, he has aspirations for the NFL. So that's why he'd want to do that in college. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, we look forward to seeing the story. Look at Gerard asking me recruiting questions, isn't it? It's a, yeah, it's a, I want the inside. I want to know how uh, the Helton thing is, is still very interesting, you know, just because – um, you know, USC's always run a pro-style offense, and Lane Kiffin's always run a pro-style offense. They'll continue to do so, but how does Helton's understanding and knowledge of the spread offense, and obviously it's, it's you know, it's, it's predominant everywhere, and you're starting to even see it in the NFL, you know, do they take some things with him, or is he just more or less adjusting to, you know, what Lane Kiffin does, and, and that, that kind of nuance there, and that, that's an interesting thing when you're talking about the quarterback position and recruiting the quarterback position, Back, want to have some sort of BS to what the offense is going to look like and what they're going to be have to do. And I just thought, uh, you know, that blueprint um, at some point they're going to have to lay it down and, and say, this is, you know, what we think of you and this is what you're going to be doing exactly within the offense. And I wondered how, uh, you know, Clayton uh, kind of came into that hole. 
that whole plan. Yeah, well, we'll definitely see this spring what kind of do if they have any wrinkles of, you know, the the read option kind of thrown in there. I don't know. I don't. I don't think they will. But you know, who knows? Maybe they'll do a little wildcat, have some fun with Dylan Baxter, the the true freshman coming in. We'll have to see what goes on there. But one of the the one interesting thing, and we I know we've run a little long, but uh, Jordan Payton, the uh, the recruit from 2012 uh, out of Oaks Christian High School, committed. Uh, probably played defensive back. He's played safety, some receiver, stuff like that. Actually very close to uh, to Wittick. So that was kind of interesting too. But uh, they were both down there at the same time. Uh, maybe you want to talk a little about Jordan Payton. Jordan Payton was uh, actually also out there for the unofficial visit uh, with Max Wittick. As you said, those two guys are uh, pretty close friends. And interesting with USC not having – a lot of local offers out there. They actually go and pull the trigger on a 2012 receiver, and uh, SC just is stacking up the receiver commit. You know, I mean, they had the big classes past year. Uh, we'll see what they do in 2011. You know, they don't need to grab a bunch of guys. You don't need the three or four they got in 2010, but they probably like to get two receivers. Uh, George Farmer being number one recruit uh, in the entire state, maybe the entire country for them. Uh, but they've already got a commitment from a guy who's in the 2012 class who's got two years before he actually plays for USC. And, uh, you know, 6'2", 195 pounds, pretty, pretty fast. And when we saw him in the, uh, the playoff game against uh, Sarah High School and uh, in the opening play uh, for Oaks Christian, he gets a 73-yard bomb and scores for a touchdown. That kind of set the tone for that game. It was pretty crazy back and forth. Um, but this is a kid that uh, he loves USC. He said, you know, if I get off, I'm going to commit uh, immediately. And, um, you know, it's early in the game, and we'll see what happens. Um, obviously, with uh, recruiting nowadays, you know, there's a lot that can happen between now and 2012. Uh, but he was pretty pumped. You know, he likes uh, John Morton as a receivers coach, and uh, he likes Lane Kiffin, and he just feels like USC is like a special place. And so he was down there on his unofficial visit, and he committed. And, um, you know, we'll see how that uh, affects uh, the rest of the recruitment, maybe even for the 2011 class, uh, knowing that uh, they're going to have some competition once they get there. Foster there, you can see there, a kid that's uh, committed, that's ready to come in and, and challenge them a little bit, and he's a good player. All right. Well, Gerard, thanks very much for uh, all the great recruiting information. Glad I could contribute a little this week. But anyway, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Awesome. And I'll talk to you later. All right. Sorry, sorry everyone else, for the. Uh, we had a couple audio problems with Gerard in the last minute or two, but sorry about that. Hopefully you got to hear everything okay. We'll be back in 30 seconds talking more Trojan football. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We are talking with new uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber. Dan, how you doing, sir? Pretty good. A uh, uh, little spring break week here before the uh, uh, rousing uh, and really interesting uh, spring practice that we all have ahead of us, which uh, I think players are looking forward to. You know the coaches are, and I would think the fans are. I know we are. Uh, there are just so many things you're going to – your head's going to be on a swivel, I think, uh, trying to watch everything and see uh, see what we can see and figure out what um, where this is all going. But uh, but this is sort of the uh, the call before the storm. I think all all the coaches are getting a chance to uh, you know get moved in and uh, find a place to stay and all that kind of thing. Get their families here. I don't know. You know, every one every uh, situation is different, but this is the week that uh, with the spring break, this is the week they've got to do that. So uh, uh, by the end of the week, I think you'll be seeing more football activity. Certainly, yeah. We're just under two weeks until spring practice starts, and like you said, highly anticipated. Uh, we've got a couple questions out there. The first one's from. Sent it from Jim Olson. Uh, if you have any questions, of course, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. Uh, we talked about last week um, on our scholarship charts, if you go to uscfootball.com. Right now we have, according to our numbers, 80 of the 85 scholarships are currently being utilized. Uh, 
each Division One school can get 85 football players on scholarship at any one time. Right now, it looks like USC has five extras that they could hand out. Um, Jim wanted to know, you know, Pete Carroll had a tradition of giving some walk-on scholarships. Any thoughts on Lane Kiffin handing out some some scholarships to walk-ons this spring? That'll be. I, I don't know. I think the the chance that a coach has uh, with the walk-ons is he can set you know a tone. Uh, this is what we're looking for. This is, and so uh, you don't want to do that too soon before you know how exactly your numbers are going to break down at every position and 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 where help is needed. But uh, uh, it seemed mostly that Pete did that after uh, uh, August practice uh, before the first game. Uh, and, uh, however, I could see that happening, uh, in the spring, if you wanted to really set a tone and maybe reward the, the guy that just is lights out in terms of, uh, you know, of a walk on or at a particular, you know, position of need or something like that. And, uh, and again, I don't even think, you know, we really know, uh, uh, are there going to be transfers? Are there going to be, uh, and that can go either direction, uh, are there going to be, um, you know, is there a, a late-breaking uh, junior college kid uh, at a position of need or something like that? Uh, uh, so I, w- I wouldn't look for any, you know, large trend or number or anything in the spring. I, I don't know that you're, you know, you're really um, uh, changing the, uh, you know, the equation um, uh, if you give it to somebody in the spring or if you wait until uh, until August practice and, and get through the summer. Uh, so, um, uh, I, I wouldn't look for a big influx, uh, you know, in the spring, because uh, uh, maybe you can have injuries, you can have position needs that are, you know, maybe become acute that you didn't, you know, realize that we're going to be that, you know, that because of, 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 you know, an injury and illness or, or some kind of a, uh, you know, issue that you're not anticipating. So, um, so I wouldn't look for anything in the spring. I don't know that they've even had enough time to evaluate, guys in the depth that you to the you know extent that you really needed to do that uh uh in spring ball all right um well there's a couple names out there we can kind of throw out too okay um you know as far as like potential given scholarships uh jim actually mentioned daniel harper the defensive back he's a guy i think that could work his way in especially with usc losing the number of defensive backs they did um, you know, we talked about transfers. Uh, Gerard mentioned this before about possible kickers. Um, or Joe Houston wins out, and he doesn't have a scholarship right now. He's a guy that could potentially get the scholarship. Uh, there's only two scholarships quarterbacks, and John Manugin's had a big part in helping the team through these winter workouts and stuff. He works out with guys like Ronald Johnson's got a really strong arm. Maybe a kid like him could get a scholarship. They, they'd actually have a third come in when Jesse Scroggins arrives in the fall, but, you know, he's a right. potential guy. Uh, yeah, Mark- I would, I would, yeah, I, I would think you, every one of those names is right on the money. I, I would think if things don't change at all, I think all, you know, I think every one of them uh, would be certainly in the running, uh, uh, you know, if, uh, if everything uh, remains as it is and the numbers remain as, as they are, uh, just from what I've seen, uh, that would be, uh, that would be where you'd be looking. And, uh, those, those guys all would look like candidates and, and probably, uh, you know, uh, good for the squad and good for morale and good to let people know that, you know, you can, uh, you know, come out here and work hard and, uh, and contribute. And, uh, and there may be, uh, there may be something there for you. And, uh, they've certainly, you know, all been good, uh, you know, to the point where we watched the workouts and that they've all, uh, seemed like they've, uh, you know, contributed. I know the kicking thing, you would think, would be something of an issue, and and you know, for example, if Houston wins it, you would think he has to be uh, has to be on scholarship. I mean, he certainly, you know, put in his time, and he certainly, uh, you know, done everything they've ever asked for him so, uh, from him. So, uh, uh, so I I would guess that wouldn't happen in the spring, though. That would be just just off the top of my head with the new staff. Uh, probably not a spring decision on the whole group. Uh, and all of the all of the walk-ons. If they if they would pick one, maybe, but uh, but I think that'll wait till August. And then one uh, one other name I wanted to mention real quick: Abe Markowitz uh, out of Hawaii Center. They don't have a lot of centers on this team. He's very athletic. Actually had other Division One scholarship offers and decided to walk on 
at USC. He's a legacy guy, and uh, he's another guy um, that's a candidate. I mean, there's, I don't want to leave anybody out. I'm sure there's other guys, too. And I do we, think those four, those four are really, you're right in the ballpark with, with every one of them. I think every one of them would be a, you know absolutely legitimate candidate, uh, you know, position-wise and in terms of what they've all, you know, what they've done since they've been here and how, you know, what, what we see when we see them out there on the field. Uh, I, I absolutely the, all four of them. So, and I guess there really would be room. I don't know that I remember ever more than four. Four seemed like the uh, the maximum I can remember any particular year uh, of earning scholarships. Uh, but it wasn't unusual. Uh, it seemed to me uh, in uh, in August that you would uh, that there'd be four guys who would uh, who would earn earn themselves scholarships. So. So uh, uh, that you might be, uh, you know, right in the in the right area there, because I do think they, these guys all contribute to the, you know, they're they're out there early and stay late, and you know, like uh, Ronald Johnson was talking the other day, and he said he's my, you know, about Manigi, and he's he's my bullpen, uh, you know, pitcher. He's the guy that warms me up every single day, and he's you know stays there late and throws late. Uh, when when Rojo is working on his uh, you know pass routes and all that, and you really need guys like that, and 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 Manigian's got a you know really got a good arm. I mean he yeah. throws the heck out of the ball. So uh, so uh, those are the guys you're looking for for sure. All right, well Jim, thanks for that question, and uh, we'll be able to answer that probably a little bit better as as we see what happens in spring football, if anyone transfers, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of a lot of variables in this equation. So but just a couple guys, a couple names on the list to watch out for at least. Um, next question is kind of interesting, Dan. It's from Connor Hogan. He's a student at the University of Arizona, but he's from Pasadena. He has strong roots tied to USC. His sister went to USC. His uncle was an All-American okay. track star for USC. He's a big Trojan fan, even though he goes to a rival wow. at school. Okay. That's kind of funny, huh? You know, he yeah, said if, well, they'll need him down there uh, in Tucson <laughs> this year, I guess. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, he said, if I spent as much time on my education as I did studying the USC football program, I probably would have been accepted to USC instead of the yeah. University of Arizona. I thought that was kind of funny. But his, yeah, quest, be, yeah. his question has to do with Monty Kiffin. And uh, we haven't obviously got to see him in action yet, for real, running a defense, but if you could kind of explain the type of defense you think Monty Kiffin runs and how he approaches the defensive well, yeah, side of I the mean, ball. I, I think for USC fans, Monty's defense is basically, I mean, he was, uh, he was Pete Carroll's, uh, you know, in the, the term they've always used is defensive guru. And uh, he was a lot of NFL people's defensive guru, you know, with the uh, famed uh, Tampa two. And uh, so uh, it may not look that, much different, you know, to people, uh, you know, USC fans who've been watching uh, USC. I mean, I know there were some games last year where people kind of slapped themselves upside the head and said, what are we watching here uh, on defense? But uh, but I think the idea, you know, was, <clears throat> um, you know, with a, with a two deep and and not letting people throw deep on you and, uh, and trying to, you know, uh, uh, get them into third and longs and you know, make them take chances and do things they don't want to do. And, uh, uh, zone, you know, uh, where you zone blitz where people, you know, you didn't really know where the blitz was coming from. Not, not a lot, you know, it wasn't an all out, you know, obviously not an all out, you know, blitzing, uh, 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 you know, a defense, but, uh, and with the, the kinds of responsibilities where, uh, you know, where one tackle does, you know, really does, uh, penetrates and, 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 and causes all kinds of issues. And the other one compliments him by, you know, holding his ground and have, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, with, with the techniques that they would, you know, would be taught. And it was one of those things where everything had to work together. I mean, every, you know, if this guy's going, then this guy's got to be here and this guy's got to be. And, and that was, you know, probably some of the breakdown last year where you just didn't see people, you know, able to carry out their responsibilities. And maybe, you know, if, uh, if, uh, you know, the front front guys aren't able to, uh, you know, tie up a couple of people or stymie or get penetration or whatever, then the linebackers are sitting there, you know, sitting ducks and all of that. And, and so, uh, I, I mean, I thought, uh, when I watched Tennessee last year, and this is the interesting question, and this is what we have to, Ask Monty, and, and obviously we've got Ed Orgeron is in the mix as defensive coordinator, and Monty's the assistant head coach, 
and they worked together last year at Tennessee, and you saw Tennessee in, in some big games really come up, you know, big defensively. They didn't have, you know, great personnel. They had, you know, some some really talented guys like Eric Berry. But uh, uh, how much do they have to change what they did in the NFL over the years for um, – uh, in order to be able to play, let's say if you play Oregon and Stanford, and, you know, back to back like this year, and you couldn't have two more different looking offenses, you couldn't have two more different uh, groups of personnel that you're having. You know, we, you don't normally see that in the NFL. You don't see that great of variance in uh, what offenses are going to do to you. But in the college ranks, you do. I mean, you see, you know, the the no huddle, uh, you know, spread. In an offense where they're, you know, every play is called at the line of scrimmage, and they're, uh, you know, you're not able to switch uh, your defensive personnel, you're not able to, you know, get, uh, uh, you know, different uh, groups on the field and what have you in different situations and all that. So I think uh, that will be, uh, I think, an interesting question. I don't think it'll look that unlike what uh, USC fans have have been used to seeing, because. Uh, you know, Pete basically was 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 coaching out of Monty's playbook. I mean, Pete was uh, uh, very much uh, you know a pupil of of, of Monty and uh, very much uh, uh, you know a, a believer in uh, in uh, all the things that Monty taught. And uh, I do think, and <clears throat> and and what one of the reasons I think uh, that makes it a little tougher in some ways in college is. Uh, Conferences really, 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 really like the Pac-10. You know, we all at times just think, why don't they play harder? You know, a lot of the teams in the Pac-10 when they when they play outside the conference, but they sure do come after USC. And that's the thing about uh, you know conference football is teams. You know, for example, have had to focus on on pretty much nobody but USC for all you know all of Pete's years, and they get to a point where they really feel like they understand exactly what you're doing, and they really coach to it, and they coach their kids to it, and they get to they get to a situation where they uh, they feel comfortable competing with you, and I think that happened a little bit in the last couple of years. USC overcame that, I think, obviously two years ago, uh, for the most part, because they just had unbelievable defensive personnel. I mean, there's four linebackers that go on and start in the NFL as rookies and all that. Uh, but I think they were catching up a little bit, uh, and I, I do think probably they're going to change some things up, and they're probably going to change more from game to game. And maybe they'll even, you know, take some chances. I, I, I think when you have – I think it was always hard with Pete as the head coach and the real – even though he wasn't in name the defensive coordinator – it was harder to be a defensive coordinator in that situation with Pete, such a hands-on defensive guy. I think this defense, they'll be their own ball. I mean, they'll be their own, own guys, you know, with Orgeron and, and, um, and, uh, and Monty basically overseeing it. I think, you know, you like what you see with, with Joe Barry and Willie Mac Garza. And uh, so I think, It'll start kind of where you look at it and you'll see it kind of in the same place as you've always seen it. But I think, uh, and then the, the change in personnel. I mean, you get Van um, uh, Gupo back and you get Armstead back and people like that. Uh, you get the linebackers stronger. Uh, Secondary is going to be an interesting issue. I don't. I'd be interesting to see how that. You know, will they will they as a result decide we've got to do more things up front? And uh, and then uh, you know let the secondary take care of itself uh, as they evolve and they you know uh, they develop. But I think it'll start pretty much in the same place we're used to. I'll be very interested in how it goes week to week to week. Uh, and again, we want to sit down with Monty and Ed and and talk about that. Uh, how do you how do you take what they've always done and, and really make it work in the college situation. No, it's a good point. Connor, great question. Thanks for that. And uh, enjoy. Yeah, your... really. And that is one of the questions of the spring. Sure. And of this whole coaching uh, staff is how do you exactly, how do they do that? And we, you know, we'll have to, we'll find out. And Dan, I know you're, you're planning on talking to a lot of the coaches before 
spring ball starts and that'll be that'll be one of the more interesting conversations talking with Monty Kiffin because it is different you know you got to make those adjustments in college I think a lot more than you have to do in the NFL and that's the beauty of Monty Kiffin I mean here's this is the history of foot, college football modern college football because he started off you know with on on the the great Bob Devaney uh, you know staffs at, at Nebraska where they were look like light years ahead of, of people in terms of, of athleticism and speed and things that they were doing at Nebraska. And then he was on Tom Osborne's staff, uh, who, you know, they, again, just tr- the ultimate in college football, I think, uh, for, for a number of years. And then, you know, Monty went on to be a head coach at North Carolina state and moved into the NFL. So, I mean, there's nothing he probably doesn't have, in his, you know, experience and background to call on. I mean, uh, you couldn't probably have come into college football uh, in a better place than, than those, you know, Nebraska teams in the 60s and 70s when, uh, you know, right after he got out of college. Uh, that was a, a great time to be coaching college football. So I know that people would think, oh, he's an NFL guy. Well, I mean, basically half of his career, uh, you know, the first half was, was – was college as a college coach, so uh, he's got he's got both uh, both ends to look at in terms of his experience. So uh, I'll be I mean I can't wait till we get a chance to sit down and, and really pick his brain and see uh, see what we're what we're going to see here this year. Yeah, well, well, I'll be looking forward to that, Dan. And uh, thanks for again for joining us on the podcast. It's been a great addition to the site and the podcast. Hopefully, everyone out there enjoys it, and we all enjoy talking to you. Thanks very much, Ryan. All right. Very much. Enjoyed it. Okay. See ya. Bye-bye. Everyone else, thank you very much. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Tune in next week. We'll be talking more Trojan football. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.